You are listening to a message from Parkway Pentecostal Church in Corona. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Jay Black. We hope this message blesses and encourages you this morning. If you'd like more information on Parkway Church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com, where you can listen to the full version of our messages. Personally, to read the Bible through in a year. Uh, I'm going to be perfectly upfront with you. I've tried to read the Bible through in a year before, and I've tried to read it uh, consecutively, like in order, and I usually get stuck in Leviticus or somewhere and just go, I, I need some Jesus and Holy Ghost, so I'm going over to the New Testament, and then I never read the Bible all the way through. I have read every book in the Bible, but I've never done it in one block. And so for me, uh, if you want to know how I'm doing it, it's been working for me. I've already read seven books, but to be honest, of those seven books, uh, three of them are first, second, and third John, and se- yeah, Jude, second, second and third John are only one paragraph, so, uh, but I'm in Ezekiel right now, so what I'm doing is I read an Old Testament book, then I go to the New Testament, and uh, every day I read a proverb because there's 31 proverbs and so I follow the calendar and so when I've completed proverbs I'm going to go back uh, and just read my highlights and, uh, and I'm reading one psalm a day along with my regular reading because psalms can be long as well. So a proverb, a psalm and right now I'm in Ezekiel and, uh, and I just, we make funny statements like I just want to get out of the Old Testament and in the New and, I, and, I, and, and the Old Testament uh, it's okay to say that because everything about the Old Testament is to point to the dispensation that we're in, the dispensation of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so it does. It stirs up a hunger in me for Jesus and the Holy Spirit, even in my reading. But all Scripture is God-breathed. All of it. Even those long lists of people and tribes, it's all in there for a purpose. And sometimes we don't get the purpose verse by verse, but we get it book by book and chapter by chapter. The Lord speaks to us. And so that's what I'm doing this year. And what a better way for us to start the year than everyone who's willing to spend the first week of 2017 tracking together in First John. First John has four major divisions. And, uh, and so I just challenge you to do that. Uh, and even if you don't take one of these home, I just challenge you to read First John. I think it's a great way to start. Uh, there's four major themes in First John. And uh, the Holy Spirit really just put it on my heart because I, I read it last week. And he keeps bringing me back to the principles. Here's the four themes. Walk in the light, war with lies, win through love, and wait on the Lord. Prayer and worship. So can we just break this out for a few minutes? First John 1.5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. That's worthy of an amen this morning. John was one of the 12 apostles. He was one of the inner three, Peter, James, and John. And it could be very easily argued that John was probably closest to Jesus. There was an affinity there. He was Jesus' cousin. He was probably the youngest of the disciples. Some even say early 20s, late teens. So there was this real closeness that he had with Jesus. And that's, that's why he, he can write so passionately about what we have seen, what we have heard. And John sums up Jesus' message in this book by declaring that this is the message Jesus brought, that God is light. In him is no darkness. And he goes on to speak of the results of the light. If we have the light of God in us and we're living by the light of God, we are drawn into fellowship with God through Jesus, but we're also drawn into fellowship with one another. What are the two greatest commandments? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, in fact, the second is almost as important as the first. If we're people of light, we'll be drawn into fellowship with God. We'll be drawn into fellowship with one another. So what does it mean that God is light? I had a whole bunch of about eight scripture verses that I'm not going to read this morning, but I'm just hoping that you trust me. Uh, light. When scripture speaks of the light of God, it can be speaking of the physical attribute of light. The Bible speaks in, in Revelation and Isaiah and Ezekiel. It speaks of the brightness of the glory of God. There is a brightness of God that literally emanates from his glory. In fact, one day the book of Revelation tells us that the city, the new Jerusalem that's in heaven with God, won't have the sun or the moon shining over it because God and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, will be its light. The glory that's emanating from Jesus Christ, the glory that's emanating from God will literally light that city, which is like 2,400 kilometers square. It's the size of Canada squared. And so that's a lot of glory. That's a lot of light, right? So light can speak of the physical light that's in God. Light can speak of uh, health and abundance and provision and perfection and completion. I just want to go back to the physical light for a second. One of my favorite passages of scripture, the Bible tells us that the word became flesh. The living son of God became flesh in Jesus Christ. And, and he, he, he almost, he veiled the glory of God in flesh. But how many of you know the story of the Mount of Transfiguration? Where again, Peter, James, and John go up and it says that they saw Jesus talking with Elijah and Moses. And, it, and the Bible says the radiance that was glowing from the physical being of Jesus, the the. the God, Son, Jesus being God, it was, it was just like it burst forth through him. And Peter and John said, man, we've, that's Jesus, but he is glowing. That's what the light of God means. But it also speaks of health and abundance and provision and perfection. The light of God speaks of revelation, of what was hidden and unknown being unveiled and made known. We use the phrase, they were in the dark, right? The book of Revelation simply means an unveiling, bringing to light what is to come. Uh, knowing God, knowing God's will. Light can describe intellect and knowledge that leads to wisdom. Light speaks of truth, of something or someone being factual. In God, in his revelation through Jesus, he brings through his word, his will, his ideas, his thoughts, his desires, his purposes by which we learn, live, act, think, speak, and grow. And so the light of God means that he's the source of all knowledge. He's the source of all understanding. Your word, O oh God, is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. The will of God. To walk in the will of God is to walk in the light of God. Right? We talked on Christmas Eve about how people stumble around in the dark doing the best they can, but it never quite turns out the way they want because they're doing it in the dark. But when God shines the light of his word, the light of the Holy Spirit on us, we can walk in understanding. Light speaks of moral purity, of, of the justice and perfection and holiness of God. And so walking in the light is knowing the difference between good and evil, what his pleasing and perfect will is, and the Holy Spirit making us into the righteousness of God that we've already been declared to be. So to, to walk in the light is responding to the light of God's truth, his purity, his love, the living for the glory of God and living by his will for us. It's following the leading of the Holy Spirit for our lives personally and, and digging into God's words so we understand what God's will is for us. And the result is all summed up. The more that we're walking in the light of Christ, it will lead us into a deeper relationship with God. 
And it will also lead us into a deeper relationship with one another. And I think that as we head into the new year, we need to be people who say, I just want to walk in the light. Not as just some song or some caption or Jesus is the light of the world and just kind of, but to walk in the light, in the knowledge, in the glory, in the goodness, and the understanding of God's plan for us. Secondly, war with lies. Verse 6 of 1 John chapter 1 says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. John tends to be pretty blunt. He doesn't mince a lot of words. And uh, here's the reality. None of the apostles would have made good pastors because they would tick off every person that came to them from advice because they just would tell you straight, you know. Uh, But the apostles made great apostles and set the trajectory for the gospel, amen. But we can say many things with our mouths, but John tells us over and over again in in the book of 1 John, and as you track through it, uh, you're going to see that actions speak louder than words. And uh, our priorities and our motives stack up against the word of God determines whether we're living in the light or whether we're living in the lie. In our desire, I think, not to offend anyone or risk being politically incorrect, we could be perpetuating lies in people that ultimately will cost someone their soul. We do this on social media all the time. We have to have compassion for people. We don't need to get out our Bibles and start thumping people. But this has been a year when many, many celebrities have passed on. I just found out the last celebrity to pass on was uh, uh, Father Mulcahy from MASH. He died yesterday, uh, right before the new year came. And so it's just William Christopher, his name was. Uh, There's been a lot of celebrities that die, but I'm always amazed. And this is totally politically incorrect, okay? But I'm totally amazed when godless, atheistic, uh, immoral celebrities die. And Christians get on Facebook and say, while you're enjoying your reward, you're at peace. We just had, uh, again, uh, and we've got to understand that God is merciful and God can always be reaching out to people. Amen? But we make statements that are politically correct, but are not biblically correct, and we could be deceiving people. I believe as a Christian, every time you go on Facebook, you're preaching a sermon. And uh, does this make sense? There are things the Bible declares that belong to darkness and things that belong to light. To claim that people who walk in biblical darkness are really in light because they prayed a prayer once or they claim to know God is a lie. Jesus said, you will know a tree by the fruit it brings forth. And this war with lies is so important because every day we're bombarded with lies about God. If you uh, wanted one of those books, you can put your hand up and uh, Brenda will make sure you get that. Lies can be about God. Lies can be about ourselves or others. Lies can be right and wrong. Lies can be subtle. Lies can be bold. They can come in the form of high-sounding philosophies. They can come through entertainment, social media, opinion, families, friends, education, or directly from the enemy himself in spiritual deception. And you say, well, why, why are you, you know, kind of laboring over this point? Two reasons. Here's one reason. 
inductive Bible study, which is what I'm trying to teach you to do through this. First uh, John speaks about the lies. So how many of you know we need to let God's word speak, right? Okay. Uh, I know sometimes I have opinions, but I really believe when we stand behind the pulpit, it needs to be God's word that speaks, not my opinion that speaks. Right? And so First John deals a lot with the lies that we believe. But the second thing is I believe we're living in a day when lies are everywhere. They're unrelenting. The enemy doesn't let up. They're subtle. They're de- they-, they deceive us. They sneak in on us. Here's what Romans 1.25 tells us. It says that people exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Jesus said in Matthew 24.24, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, God's chosen ones. Even the elect. It's very sobering. We, we can't just think for one minute that just because we're born again, we're immune. Uh, every year I have to fill out my year-end report and say how many people became born again. And I send it off to the PAOC so they can do all their statistics and numbers, which is, which is important. How many of you know that the book of Acts said, on this day, 2,000 were saved. On that day, this many. Numbers and that are very important to track. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I often get kind of bummed out. I, I see and speak with other pastors who will make statements like, we saw 150 people get saved and born again this year. And I'm like, we had 12. <laughs> And I got talking, Bob, it was with David, ha- David Hazard. I got talking with David Hazard one day, one of our uh, national officers. And I said to David Hazard, I said, you know, sometimes I get really discouraged when I fill out my year-end report and say only 12 or only 15 or only 20 people got saved. And he said, well, how do you qualify that? And I said, I don't count hands that are raised in a service. I said, I count the people that whether it was in November or June or July or August or January, they're still tracking with us in the faith, they're disciples. You see, I think, I think it's a wrong message we send people when we are in a, a mass service and we say, put your hand up, you've received Jesus, you're on your way, and we never see them again, and we, and we tell them you're born again. A marriage is more than words that are said. And our faith in Jesus is more than saying a prayer 20 years ago and then for not living it day by day. Does that make sense? And, yeah, false security. And Jesus said, even the elect. I, I, I think that I use the word war with lies because the enemy of our souls is relentless. Daily we're bombarded with lies. That's why the Bible tells us to put on the full armor of God. And one of the pieces of armor we put on is the belt of truth. Now, is, is entrance into the kingdom of God a prayer? Yes, because Jesus paid it all. We don't have to do anything. It's a prayer of invitation. It's a prayer of receiving what he accomplished on our behalf. But how many of you know there's a whole life to be lived after making that decision, right? But I, I really think that uh, we need to saturate and engage our minds and our hearts with the truth. If our minds are not renewed, they will become susceptible to the deceit and lies of the world. Romans 12, 2 tells us we're not to conform to the pattern of the world, and conform means to be pressed into the shape and mold, but to have our minds renewed so that we're not shaped into the lies of the world. Daily, 
We've got to be in the Word. I believe 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So in other words, one of the ways we combat lies, one of the ways we go to war with lies is to find what the truth is. And the Bible tells us that God's Word is the truth. God's Word is the truth. The Bible's the truth. The Bible has promises to claim, sins to avoid. Uh, 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 it tells me what God thinks about me. You know... How many of our New Year's resolutions have to do with things like losing weight, which is a good thing. We're body, soul, and spirit uh, to be better at this and be better at that. Here, here's the thing. Our New Year's resolutions, we need to make some spiritual ones, right? And uh, all Scripture is God-breathed. Secondly, I believe the, the second way we combat lies, the first way is through the Word of God. The second way is through the presence of God through prayer, waiting in worship, and in communion with God. Because Jesus said in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all truth. Have you ever read a book, and when it's done, you go, I just want to sit down and talk to the author and find out why he did it that way, or find out, you know, what was he, he or she thinking, right? Have you ever done that? Uh, the, the wonderful thing about reading the word of God is it's not a stagnant 2,000-year-old book. Because the author is very much alive and well. And the Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The dividing of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, it, it actually, it, it kind of uh, uh, judges the, the contents and the intents of our hearts. And why can, why can the Bible make the claim about itself that it's living and active? I like Tom Clancy. His books aren't living and active. They're just what they are. But the Bible is living and active. When you speak the word of God into your situations and circumstances, your circumstances and situations have to change because God's word is living and active, empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by God. It is not just the way to truth. It's the way for us to receive and live by abundant life. Amen? And so if we're not in the word of God, we're not growing and we're probably not combating the lies like we should. But we have the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. We have the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, win through love. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. If anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister or other believers, they're still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother or sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. Again, what are the two highest commandments that Jesus said we're to live by? Love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, as I have set the goal to read God's word through in a year, there's a lot of benefits it will bring to my life. I will gain understanding. I'll gain uh, God's will. I'll, there, there's so many things. But you know what? More than anything, it should lead me into a deeper love relationship with Jesus. That's the ultimate goal. The Bible says how knowledge puffs up, but love, love is our goal. And so love should be our highest pursuit. Or stated another way, if we're living and walking in the light, rejecting lies, living by the truth, we will be people of love. The light and love of God will lead us to loving others. Loving doesn't allow indifference to the suffering of others. Love doesn't allow the lies of justification and unforgiveness to reign in us. Love compels us to compassionate action on behalf of others because love strips us of all justifications and limits our actions and our responses. But I'll let the word speak. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Uh, Love has no loopholes and doesn't look for any. Amen. And then finally, wait on the Lord in prayer. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So when we walk according to the light of Jesus, when we are rejecting lies and our motive is always first and foremost love, then we know that when we pray, we are praying according to his will and we will see his kingdom come. We will uh, experience his will being done in us. We will be able to take the promises and the claims of God's word and see those become a reality rather than our circumstances. I think the problem for some of us believers who truly love God but don't see answers to prayer is because we're praying outside of the will of God, because we're, we're not living in truth. So... We're either asking outside of God's will. Maybe we're not, we don't know how to claim the promises of God because we don't know his will as found in the light of God's word. But it could also be if we're walking, if we're walking in darkness, if we're not walking according to the light. And I know there's a theology out there, and, and I understand that God honors his word above his own name. But friends, God's word, we've got to take it in its completeness. And the book of James tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And we looked at this when we looked a little bit about praying from the throne room, the courtroom of heaven. But it could be that if I'm, it could be, it's scripturally, if I'm walking in darkness, if I'm walking in agreement with Satan, then if you walk in agreement with someone, you're giving them legal access to your life. And how many of us pray for things for year after year after year after year and we don't see anything happen? It could just be that... uh, It could just be that we're not living in the truth, and so we're walking in agreement with the enemy. And when we walk in agreement with the enemy, we're actually giving him legal access to block our prayers. Does that make sense? We've talked about this before. That's why it's the prayers of a righteous person that are powerful and effective. Now, here's the good news. Uh, uh, And we're we're going to, we looked at it when we talked about the, the woman who came before the judge. The Bible says, that when we come before God and we break off that legal access of Satan, repent of, any, of anything that we've, you know, uh, walking in agreement of, the answer comes swiftly. It's still by faith. It's still by grace in Jesus. Right? The Lord really showed me something recently in my life. And uh, I am a critical person by nature. And I've, I've shared that and I've been up front. Uh, and a lot of people who don't know me very well might not know this. A lot, I always think I'm right. Like I, like I do. I'm batting, I'm batting a thousand in my own head, usually. And uh, it's just, it's just uh, you just don't have the energy to fight sometimes, right? But the Lord started to show me something on this whole principle. How can I pray for people? And release God's goodness and blessing into their lives. If I'm complaining about them. 
speaking ill of them, making fun of them, or now I'm, now I'm talking generally, but all of the things that we do, right? Because what's happening is when I come before God and say, God, I want you to bless so-and-so. I want you to bless and bring your this and, 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 and do that. Uh, how can I ask God to release his blessing in prayer if I'm speaking in agreement with Satan about their life? I've said this recently to... Satan, the accuser, when you speak an accusation over your spouse, you're standing in agreement with Satan, and Satan, so when you go to God and say, change my spouse, God, the devil stands before God and goes, God, they've been speaking all week saying they'll never change. They are actually in agreement with me, God, and it legally blocks our prayer. Because how else can there be, how else can the scripture be true of itself and say the power of life and death are in our words? When, when we speak, we're empowering somebody. Listen, we're empowering somebody or something. And the last time I checked, there's only two forces in the world. There's, there's the forces of, of, of Jesus Christ and his holy angels and, and whatever things are pure and true and noble and the things that are in God's word and God's will or there's things of the enemy. And if we are speaking curses over people, over situations, over things, then there's no neutral ground. There's no, well, there's the enemy here, there's God, then there's me. Out of seven billion people, I'm the only one, right? And, I, and this isn't even in my notes. It's not in my notes, but I just feel I need to stop here. Going into the new year, let's not curse ourselves or anyone else. You know, if you've made a resolution, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year, and, uh, you know, if you find you're not tracking for it, then you can either speak curses over that or you can speak life and say, well, what I have read already, God is going to water it. It's going to be a seed in my life. Or we can get all defeated and go, I'll never lose weight. My husband will never change. My marriage, I was wanting to go into this a different, and now look at, you are standing in agreement. The enemy is looking for any excuse for you to agree with him so he can nullify everything God's put in your heart for the coming year. Pardon? No, it's not, it's not love, and it's not God. And if we're people of light, we walk in love, and we war with lies. Amen? Does that make sense? And so, uh, it's not that we don't love God. We just don't see answers to prayer. And it could be we're praying outside of the will of God. James says you pray for wrong reasons. It could be we're not praying. Uh, uh, it, it could be that we're praying in agreement with the enemy. There could be different things, faith and all of that. But I just want to say this as we head into the new year. Friends, God wants to answer prayers for you more than you want to see them answered. He wants your loved ones saved more than you want to see them saved. He wants to heal your body more than you want your body healed. He wants you to experience life and the desires of your heart more than you want to see the desires of your heart. Because we sang this morning, you're good, you're good, you're good. 
Oh. Right? I don't know why that O part's there, but I just thought I'd, just to be true to the song, I just thought I'd throw it in. And so, as we go to our time of prayer now, uh, I know, you know, like I said, when I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me to 1 John, I said, Lord, this is probably for me, not the church. But I just felt them say, listen, there, there's, let me say this. For those of you who are going to read through 1 John, it's five chapters. If you miss Monday or Tuesday, you know what? Like I said, there's five chapters, there's seven days in the week. Uh, I don't know where you're at in your daily scripture reading. I don't know where you're at in your daily prayer. We're going to talk more about prayer and claiming the promises of God. I believe that every person that comes to Parkway Church, God wants to raise up to be a prophet, a priest, and a king in his kingdom. That's what I believe, and that's what we're going for this year. Uh, I don't know where you're at in all of those things. But let me just go on record and say that if, you, if you've been struggling in your Bible reading, uh, yeah, the, the, the judgmental half of the church isn't here this morning, so I can share this with you. That's not true. I'm just kidding. I, I'm just, it's just a joke. It's, I'm not trying to speak curses over. Uh, I have been struggling. I have been struggling in my in my focus when I pray. It's just been an ongoing battle. If I were to be totally transparent with you, which apparently I'm going to because I just made that statement, <laughs> uh, my prayer going into the new year, I wish I could say it's, you know, to read 40 chapters a day and pray in tongues for nine hours a day. I wish it was that spiritual. My prayer going into the new year is just simply being consistency, steadfastness. I probably have... Uh, and this is never going to go on the radio or be recorded beyond this for deniability purposes, but I probably, no, I do know that I do have ADD. You know, I've had it my whole life. It is, it, it's always, my entire life, it's been a struggle for me to pray if I'm not moving. If I'm not walking around, like in the sanctuary or going for, often people see me in the middle of the day and say, oh, is it your day off? And I just go, no, just going for a walk. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm praying. Is is how I focus. If I'm sitting still, if my body's moving, my mind can focus. If my body, but here's what I'm trying to say: find what works. But I've just been praying, Lord, I want you to take captive my thoughts, because how many of you know God's bigger than ADD, and I'm not the only person that struggles with it. I talk to people all the time who say, "Man, I can't focus for the life of me when I pray. I'm thinking about jelly donuts, and I'm thinking about work tomorrow, and and uh, and I always say it shows, <laughs> but." Uh, but uh, if you spend the week in 1 John and learn in, in one week, five times, allow the word to speak to you following the pattern, just the simple pattern, it's not that I've given you, you will be changed. You will understand a little more what a lie is, what it is to walk in the light, who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for you, how much God loves you, and you will have some more understanding of God's will for your life so that your prayers will be more powerful and effective. I guarantee you, if you just spend uh, that time in 1 John, God is going to use it to change your life. And so if you're like me, if it's just been a busy year, 2016, and you struggled in your daily walk, folks, I'm not going to confess to any, you know, uh, to, to anything more because there is nothing more. It's just for me, it's steadfast and consistency. 
And for the last three weeks, I've been getting up every morning. And the first few days, it was such a struggle. I would sit down in the basement with my coffee. And, but now I'm waking up even right before my alarm. And you know what? There's like this, I can't wait to get in the Word. And I can't wait to fellowship and interact with the Holy Spirit as I read the Word. And I'm so thankful that God has birthed that in me again. He will do it. Amen? He will do it. All right, Lord, as we just go to this time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message blessed and encouraged you. If you would like more information on Parkway Church, you can go to our Visit tab on our website. Or if you like what you hear, we would love to have you come join us on a Sunday morning right here in Corona.